the nature of existence <laughs> the nature of existence uh, in uh, Buddha's view of things is extremely fluid and uh, dependently arisen which no single factor stands alone everything is dependently supported by other factors which themselves are dependently supported and it's an extremely complex weave yeah, that uh, is, is like binding things into an apparent solidity and of course one of our uh, you know, key key terms is anicca which um, translates proximity as impermanence but sometimes this can be seen as you know, something begins and ends, you know, that's impermanence. Well, yeah, but that's not really the totality of it. It's not that something begins and ends. It's not no thing in the first place. <laughs> so the, the, the mutability or the fluidity of experience is a Nietzsche. It means it's fluid. It's, it's never solid. It's always just, uh, it's not like a solid thing arises and passes. It's just there is no solid thing. It's just the rising and passing of fluidities and energies and contingencies. You know. And so this is the, the, the insight vision. And it said, for the stream enterer, one is acknowledging everything. The characteristic of arising is the characteristic of ceasing. It just this, it's just this. It's extremely mutable. So we test that out. So the most solid thing we seem to be able to, to experience, which is rupa, form or shape. And rupa itself, this term can be used in a range of ways. Most apparently, it's rupa, the shape that the eye detects, the configurations that the eye detects, and we can see how these. Uh, uh, are are changing, they're they're mutable. So we look at a human body, it's not the same really. uh, When you look at it, uh, depending on what your eye focuses on, that's that's not just the object itself is moving, but your focus is shifting. If you really, really hold your focus very steady upon any visual object, you'll begin to vibrate. Mm. You, You can't... It's maintained as steadiness because your eye zigzags across it, your focus shifts. So it seems to be a constant thing, but actually it's just light pulses occurring, visual phenomena arising that build up rather like the pixels on a screen, build up the impression of solidity. And more, (coughs) even more intimately, when we experience rupa, not just as visual form, but as through the other bases, tactile form, rupa that's detected through the body, we can sense it's just a matter of heat, pressure, um, textures, mm, flowings, pulsing, solidities, contingent factors that are themselves shifting. What is a breath? What is breathing? Mm. it's <laughs> swelling, rising, flowing, thin, fine, gross, struggling, soft, smooth, smoky, misty, uh, 
vibrant, fiery, mm. stuck. Mm. Range of things, isn't it? Textures shifting. And this is experiencing a body in the body's own sense. Um, we experience rupa mm, as extremely fluid. Mm. And this is the most solid thing that we experience, seemingly, in the phenomenal world. Mm. Rupa also refers to the set level of subtle form, as in what's called rupa jhana. So this is the jhana based upon the experience of subtle uh, materiality, such as energies, uh, energies saturating the body in, ext- in, in refined ways. The first level of it being likened to uh, foam or suds of, of soap penetrating the pores. Uh, another level of it is being water bubbling, bubbling water. Mm-hmm streams, fluid, so becomes liquid. Another level of it is likened to a white sheet, just cool, uh, unwavering, steady, cool. So these are, these are called rupa, and they are clearly not coarse material form, but subtle materiality. So Rupa also can refer to this, since something is detected by a a sense base and lingered on, and the apprehended Mm. as a definite uh, object. But what is it? Now, if we look for what is the most um, solid thing in, in the universe, uh, probably the real answer is not rupa itself, but clinging, because uh, the fixation. And you can witness in yourself and in others how a fixation, and a clinging and attachment become strong enough, you know, uh, attachment to views can be so so strong and fixed that a person's life is formed in that shape, their their real life, their psychological life, their emotional life, their views, their opinions, their friendships are formed around this crystallizing principle of a view, a belief, a doctrine, political view, religious view. And to the extent to which people are prepared to you know, transcend all moral boundaries to sustain that view and to to um, fixate upon it beyond all reason, you know, beyond investigation. Mm. Investigation is considered a conspiracy. <laughs> to actually try to find truth is considered, you know, a, a sort of deviant occupation compared with fixation. Mm. 
And so see, people will certainly kill, steal, lie, uh, in order to, on behalf of their fixations, um, ruin their lives and others. So this is probably the most solid <laughs> quality in, in the cosmos. Yeah. And unlike Rupa, it, it doesn't change so easily because uh, the citta requires ground, orientation, stability, security. So it inclines towards fixation, towards clinging, towards um, in order to maintain a sense of this is definite, this is solid, this is where I am, I'm within this, mm. I'm within this. Ah, now I know where I am in this fluid cosmos. So to dissolve that is, uh, uh, of course, the main theme in, in Buddhist practice. And we dissolve it by really trying to see things actually as they, as they are, as best we can. A certain relaxation of even intention. The intention... Mm, to hold something, to find something, to become something, to be something. The um, clinging to one's personal systems, one's beliefs. Mm. And of course to obvious things like one's, one's body, fixation upon the appearance of it, mm. or what you, we assume that other people see it as. This kind of let me my physical form be that which other people find agreeable or not disagreeable or you know whatever kind of thing. So so this uh, this need for uh, sense of security. So when we take refuge, it's because the refuge, the shelter from the storm, is necessary in order to begin to release other fixations. So we go to refuge. We make going to refuge, we try to increase the intentionality of that, the awareness of that, the deep deepening meaning of that, to an extent to which it becomes stronger than at least some of our fixations. So it's a shift. We're finding, well, if this one is, is, is as good as and stronger than and has less negative side effects, I'll take this one. <laughs> you know, it's quite pragmatic. And you're offering the citta, would you like to cling to this and get obsessive and, you know, neurotic and defensive and sheltered and screened and edgy or would you like this one <laughs> where you can sense uh, 
uh, morality, uh, peacefulness, uh, non-aversion, you know, you've got a lot of support within that, that refuge system and gradually we're kind of weaning because even though we like the idea intellectually, this clinging is not a rational process, it's an instinct. It's a, it's a, it's a mechanism that comes from the loss of safety and once you're in this sensory domain it is not safe Mm. one is impinged upon Uh, in the social domain one is blamed uh, despised uh, uh, injured and so forth so it's not safe and so clinging the basis for clinging the possibilities of that are definitely potentized as we arise in the sensory and the social domain so refuge forest refuge scenario such as this one where we're taking a lot of steps to try to uh, you know keep it quite boundaried and not other people not allowed in this time there's a sense of this is contained so that one can begin to allow a certain loosening uh, to occur, certain softening to occur. Meditation. Clinging uh, is described in many ways. It is the, the fundamental theme, if you like, that runs through all the teachings, uh, clinging to coarse things, fine things, fine material things, immaterial things, clinging to space, clinging to luminosities, clinging to, you know, um, neither perception nor (laughs) non-perception. If we even get there to that, but uh, let alone cling to it. Um, the Buddha say, well, you know, even these refined realms, which are probably, you know, the, the, the kind of clinging that has the least side effects, still this is not, you know, one, the release of the mind is the mind of the deathless. The experience of the deathless is the mind released from clinging. That's it. So you work on this on any level. Because it runs across from the course, the obvious, the daily life, the behavior patterns, the yeah, attitudes, um, to subtler qualities, one's meditation and so forth, into subtle levels. It's, it, it, it's, the, it's the thread that, that binds the holistic experience into a, into a, a, a fixity. And so the Buddha described this as four bases, clinging to sense objects. There's a certain fixation around taste, sight, touch, fragrance. And clinging is seen as to a, to a clinging that shelters one from something, push it, keeps something away, or the clinging that holds something in. So it acts like a wall, a boundary. And when the unpleasant comes in, we push against it, clinging, clinging rises a, as a defence. When something is pleasant, clinging hooks around it and tries to store it up. 
someone can recognize those tendencies on a physical level, sensory level, psychological level, and so on. Mm-hmm. And how does that get softened? Mm-hmm. So the experience of uh, anicca, of fluidity, of mutability, we started to touch into that. Like on a fairly coarse level. Changeability of one's moods and feelings. Changeability of one's energies, and being the witness of we're feeling not very, not very awake, slightly sluggish, bright, stimulated, extremely energized, and, and then down again, just bearing with that. Clinging to becoming and non-becoming. This is the sense of uh, clinging to uh, the energy that feels we're accumulating something, getting something, becoming something, or disbanding something. The sense of self that occurs around that. I have become this, I am definitely going up, or I'm definitely going down. You know, clinging to these currents, and sometimes going down also can be just I'm, you know, getting rid of things. I'm clearing things out. I'm becoming more empty. As, a, as something one desires, and then things arising one finds difficulty with. I like the emptiness. I don't like stuff happening. There's this kind of boundary occurs around that. You know. Or things are really happening for me and now I've got to stop. You know, I've got to come out of the momentum of that. Becoming and non-becoming of a certain momentum in them. Progress. So just as being getting really empty, then I had to do this kind of thing. I got all that stirred up again. Or just as I was really getting into it, the, the beautiful things stopped happening. I could no longer run on that one. Yeah. So this clinging creates a certain snagging around the flow of experience. Clinging to <clears throat> customs and rituals, systems and structures. Uh, and this is, this is um, the way we organize our lives. So this doesn't mean uh, blind rituals in some, you know, religious sense, although it can mean that, but also to any system, structure, convention that that is used to organize. So we have routines, we have ways of setting up our dining place, Fork on this side, knife on that side, you know, the plate. We, um, we like to arrange our rooms in certain ways that feel good. Uh, we like to have things nicely evened out and 
um, planned ahead this week this this week this you know you can have a uh, spreadsheet where you're doing this on November December structured times of day and naturally these are the ways in which we operate in the social realm it's 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 it operates around systems and structures, and retreats do in the same way, operate around systems and structures. So it's not to say that any of these phenomena should not exist, that there should be no sensuality, no sense experience, that there should be no, no sense of, uh, of becoming something, you know, no sense of that movement in time, that movement of energy to, to develop or to decrease, to fill or to loosen, to open, to empty. But it's the sense of the adherence to it, which means that when it changes, we get oh, disoriented. And so the same thing with systems and structures. We get disoriented if our system isn't available or our custom isn't there or our, and so on. It doesn't mean you don't have any. It's the amount of stress that gets created when as sooner or later happens, they are seen to be relative, not reliable, not exactly manageable, not conducive to ease and simplicity, becoming more and more stressful to maintain. This was supposed to make life easier, wasn't it? As you may notice in the... uh, uh, a technological assistance that we have to organize our days. So we have emails and calendars and to-do lists and reminders and this, that, this, that, to make life easier. And it's, it's, like, God, it's getting more difficult to handle all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And sooner or later something goes out, doesn't it? You've got it all set up and then the train is delayed or the airplane doesn't take off or something breaks down and everything just spins out into chaos and people are extremely um, stressed in that state so certainly in in myself in traveling naturally there's a lot of systems and structures that are required to make that happen and often you know we put these things together with great care and, but it's always the case, no matter how much care you put into it, it you cannot, you cannot control <laughs> existence. Stuff still breaks down. And uh, it's always uh, kind of sobering when one's at an airport and you find out the plane has been cancelled after a five-hour delay. And just like, as soon as the announcement comes out, like, you see a hundred people go ballistic. Thinking, oh, God. <laughs> You know, and yeah, right, because they had somebody lined up to meet them and when they got there, they had a business engagement to get to, they got a wedding to go to, and da-da-da-da-da, and my cousin's waiting for me in Prague or in, you know, Bogota or somewhere, and oh God, and they think, yeah, you just go ballistic. Well, but there it is, you know, okay. Right, so here we are. Here we are. Here we are. That's all. You, that's eventually all you got. <laughs> so, 
Here we are. So I was just noting the reflex I had on the last one. I mean, all this rage blowing up around me. And just, oh dear. And I felt sorry for the two people behind the counter who were about to have this tsunami of, of rage descend upon them. <laughs> oh dear. They can, they were just <laughs> and I just started looking around for, well, there's a place over there I could spend the night, just lie down on the floor, that would be okay. <laughs> I'll be all right. Because, you know, when you, you practice living at the root of a tree, it's, it's you know, shelter, you know. <laughs> Get a cushion, so <laughs> it's not what I want, but that's what happens. So you just, you know, make the best of it. So you're, you're really, you know, clearly these the structures are necessary, helpful, and yet... So at the end of the day, you want to have another resource, which is your refuge, both in psychologically and um, um, emotionally and even in terms of just what you, you requisites. Mm. You know, so here we have the four requisites, food, actually don't need food every day, but it's, it's very handy. Um, you know, it's good. Uh, shelter, clothes, keep you warm, medicines, water. Well, that's not so difficult. So that's the that's the renunciate option. There's not one pushes each other things away, but you just know, look, you know, you want to minimize that. So you're always traveling as light in yourself as possible. So you're prepared to when everything falls apart, you've got this. Systems and structures. And the need to find an orientation that allows us to be more dispassionate towards them. Mm-hmm. Clearly, if we put all our uh, energies and our reliability and our security on sense realm, well, that's going to be very difficult since it's so changeable, relative, impermanent, and generally costs quite a bit of money to keep to you know to keep it there. It takes a lot of upkeep to keep it there. So that's, yeah, we, we're in this situation where we do depend upon it, but could we lessen that? So that, and what enables it? So this renunciation requires a strengthening, an inner strengthening, doesn't it? So that both physically, psychologically, energetically. And this shift occurs to shift the chitta, to say, yeah, that's great, but remember, now, firm up. Firm up what you take with you, what is close to you, what is the closest you can get, firm that up. And the chitta needs to be constantly encouraged and weaned and given alternatives to go to. Of course, the The four bases of clinging, they get more refined, so sensuality, sense objects, um, uh, progress and decline, um, or filling up and emptying out, getting rid of things and accumulating things, having great experiences, being clear of experiences, these various ways in which these currents come into the mind. Systems and customs structures and conventions 
and then clinging to the notion self. This, I am this. Mm. And so the Buddha says, well, you know, one of the self will occur in terms of five aggregates. The aggregate of form, the aggregate of perception, the aggregate of feeling, the aggregate of activations, the aggregate of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's an experience that occurs. The self is not the agent of clinging. It's the result of a mechanism that fixates upon form, feeling, perception, activations, consciousness. If these five aggregates are seen, are realized, are experienced as this is changeable, this is no solidity to it, this is not substantial, this is not capable of carrying, <laughs> uh, this is not capable of providing security or very limited security, if that is seen, that which sees it, in tandem with seeing the impermanence of that experience is the confidence, its own confidence. So the two are rather like a tipping of a balance. As one's jitta becomes more confident, more assured, more strengthened, the aggregates become less of an issue. As they become less of an issue, that's in tandem, can only be accomplished by the jitta becoming stronger in itself. As if the balance shifts from the clinging basis to the non-clinging basis. So the chitta is then increasingly nudged, eased, weaned towards non-clinging. It's weaned towards non-clinging because in the non-clinging of the chitta, this is the deathless. So because this idea of deathless and jitta may be a bit, what's that, you know? So, but just to, rec- just to bear in mind, those terms are used and we can, you know, you can look at them and see them quoted. They're definitely used. Inclines towards the deathless, uh, turns his attention towards the death, turns his mind towards the deathless, you know, turns his jitta towards the deathless, uh, focuses on the deathless property. <laughs> so it's not nothing, but the they also say you can't say this is a thing either. It's you know you can't find a word. We're just calling it deathless because we have to, we give it a name in order to say this is an experience that, that occurs. But it is an increasing dispassion uh, and non-clinging to the aggregates that this other quality becomes realized, successively realized. What is it that doesn't cling? What is it the nose clinging, you could say, sees it, witnesses it, there's that, feels it. So you start not by not having clinging. That is, this is not possible. You start by sensing how it occurs, where it occurs, what triggers it, and the results of it. And the simple fact is, you know, we don't really learn truth, we learn pain and pleasure. When pain stops, we like it, we go that way. Chitta's a pretty simple creature in many respects. 
you can give it all kinds of ideas and theologies and doctrines. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you give it pain, it goes, no. <laughs> no, no, no debate. <laughs> so once it realizes this is painful, this is suffering, this is bringing me down, and, I don't, and, and there's something more agreeable, it's going to move that way. So it's a very, you know, it's a simple creature in many respects. Um, so, and it's said that um, um, you know, in this rather paradoxical way that, they, that are sometimes used when we when these teachings are presented, they're saying, "Oh, it's so, you know, when when this constant impingement of feeling stops, ceases, wanes, when there's none of this fixation around feeling, it feels really good." What? Isn't that another feeling? Well, you can't say it is, you can't say it isn't. It's just, it's like a weight off the mind. No longer to be hounded by feeling. No longer to be stabbed by feeling. No longer to be seduced by feeling. Duped by feeling, hoodwinked by feeling. Just to come out of that is a relief. That feels good. Nibbana. Paramang Sukang, the highest form of ease. Mm. So when we you know, we contemplate a feeling, just just as as a quality, rather than I feel, just as a quality, and certainly we experience this in the body. And so one of our skills is to just say this isn't this isn't the body, this is a feeling. The conglomerate says, my body is feeling. When you kind of start to tease that apart, so no, body is, rupa is one thing, feeling is another thing. So if we begin to, you know, clarify and filter away the sense of my leg or my sinews or my belly or something, just no, that's, you don't need that right now. It's just that sense of the pulsing, experience or the flaring experience or the grinding experience there's the feeling and it's pushing isn't it it's pushing 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 Hmm? and there's a grip the mind gripping around it trying to ward it off pleasant feeling there's a clustering around it a gripping around it Hmm? so the feeling is that feeling does what feeling does which is it feels is it possible to feel the, that feeling just as a quality in the cosmos that everybody has? I'm sure fish have it, beetles have it, all kinds of humans have it. Yeah, it's more constant than our forms are. You know, whatever our form or shape is, it all, the feeling goes on. So just as a feature in the cosmos. Yeah. That's what it does. It's got this rising energy to it that pushes, pushes, pushes. And could it be releasing around that? And so when we contemplate physical pain, for example, it's quite useful to uh, even put it in visual terms, try to visualize what it is, or get a tactile impression of it. That is, it's a pressure, a pushing, a surging, a stabbing, a probing, uh, a pulling, a teasing, a tickling, an inviting. You know, 
It's dragging, dragging, dragging. So you get to not to the, the feeling itself, but the, the energy that it stimulates. Is it possible to keep working on that, relaxing that stimulation, the activation, the sankara principle? If we, active, if we release that activation, which is the getting psychologically activated around it. Why am I feeling this? What's that about? How could I feel this? Where can I stop feeling it? Could I have more of that feeling? You know, that just feeling is feeling. And practicing with it. Mental feeling, psychological feeling. Psychological feeling that occurs when one thinks of oneself or thinks of other people or thinks of the state of the world or thinks of disagreeable things or agreeable things, fond memories, the feeling, the push of it, the glow of it, the burst of it. Not that there should be no feeling, but is it possible for feeling to cease pushing or being pushed by, or pulled by. Perceptions, estimations, value, you know, assessments of the mental nature, immediate flash perceptions, immediate flash assessments, I'm this, he's that. She's like that, I'm like this. She's one of those, I'm one of these. He's better, she's, she's better. Mm. You know, these, these immediate flash perceptions that we get, particularly around other people. He's advanced, she, she's even more advanced. He's, you know, what? <laughs> and how useful is that? Is that stressful? Subject to unskillful mind states? Is it worthwhile following it? Could it also just be checked and then deactivated? And the process of releasing is working upon the principal aggregate, the Sankara aggregate, which is that which picks up the push of feeling and magnifies it and flusters and acts upon it and amplifies it and and makes a psychology out of it. Mm. that picks up agreeable perception, amplifies it, makes much of it, craves for it, Uh, so on. Triumphant with it. My my team, we're the winners, and glorifies in that. So this is human behaviour, isn't it? Clinging, and the activations that occur once clinging has locked locked onto something to get triumphant or annoyed about (laughs) in oneself or in others. And this clinging mechanism is so irrational that certainly it will occur around unpleasant experiences. You get used to feeling bad about yourself. (laughs) So much so, it's almost disturbing. (laughs) 
You know, I've heard people, you know, who constantly have a bad impression of themselves and you can see them feel really uncomfortable when somebody gives them uh, praise or gratitude. They go, oh, kind of, you know, because you feel disoriented. I don't know how to operate on this one. I'm used to living in this sheltered state. This is challenging my walls, you know. It's, I feel embarrassed, awkward, nervous, don't know what to do. Yeah, because the clinging. You know, so the clinging is about principles even stronger than pleasure and pain on an immediate level. It's, it's about the sense of security, orientation. You know, my habits and structures, certainly they're not particularly agreeable, but I know where I am. <laughs> I know how to do it. I know I'm to be me in it. Mm. So the, the root of it all is this structuring of a me. And when we see the me is based upon what? Upon a perception. This is the good, right way to do things. Based upon a feeling. This gives rise to an agreeable mental feeling. Based upon form. Based upon this is where my activations are nice and habitual. Whereas strong inclination towards habitual activations. The ways I do things normally. This is what's comfortable for me because this is the way I normally act. This is the, so I don't have to. I go into automatic. I can just switch it on and zoom, 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 zoom. We will start rolling. That's the right way to do it uh, because that's my habit. My momentum goes that way. And if it doesn't go that way, I feel frustrated. I feel people are being difficult. I think, why can't they understand? This is the proper way to do it. And ding, 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 you know, stress occurs. Because this is my way. And so, but that's an activation. That's a sankhara. And clearly, we can say there probably are, you know, ways and means of doing things that have, depending on how you look at it, can be assessed as more efficient, more, pr- more quicker. That's what we want, quicker. More efficient, that's what we like. More efficient, quicker. Mm-hmm. More efficient, quicker, that's what we like. We don't like this kind of actually feeling out what's going on. We don't like that at all. We like to be as automatic as possible. <laughs> Because the wheels are all easy that way. <laughs> you say, well, yeah, but how, how awakened is that? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, just working on this one. So, so um, you know, certainly in, in some of the forest monasteries, and, and even we try to do this at Chittas, the degree is we don't, we don't have straight paths. Certainly houses are difficult because they always have straight corridors. So as much as possible, try to avoid straight paths because once people see a straight path, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> get to the end of that path. So you're always trying to make it curve 
or put a tree in the way, or deliberately, you know, I've actually planted bushes and trees deliberately in the way of straight lines to stop people running through. And they still find ways to do it. I have to plant another tree there to stop people doing this, get their mentality when they go into automatic. And you can almost recognize at the beginning, look at the path and then they're up ahead. We hear the noise as they stream along to getting to where they're going and they're not actually where they are. So you have to put things in the way <laughs> to check that, stri- that stride. And uh, yeah. I think I might have told you before, I have the wonderful office door with the key that doesn't work. So, so you always lock the office door and then you, somebody puts the key somewhere. But of course, where they put it isn't always known. So it could be under a plant pot, it could be under a window ledge. So you think, oh, I've got to go to the office, got to go to the office, do a, got to go to the office, do an email. If you've got this in your mind, you've got it, door's locked. So where's the key? Is it a lintel? No, I've got, got to get there. Lintel, the key, no, I've got there. Did they put another plant on? Who's got the key? Maybe it's under the door, man. Okay, so eventually you find the key, right? Just go, get to get the email, get the key in the lock. Key, key won't turn. <laughs> I've got to get this. It's taking some. <laughs> and then finally you get the key turned. Now the door handle won't work. You've got to pull the door handle back in a certain way, very gently and cautiously, because there's a little place where you feel a slight snick as you pull it back, and that's the only place where the handle will turn. <laughs> just got it, and then you open the door. And then you switch the thing on. No internet access. <laughs> You can almost hear these sankaras kind of crunch, hit a wall, crunch, hit a wall, and they're still demanding to go on. And they hit another pothole, and you, you eventually you get it. <laughs> Sweat. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. All things are permanent. <laughs> Isn't going to go my way. Uh, so community life is is a lot of that happening, because you know, a lot of people have straight paths, but they don't always have a strange straight path. So the, there's a kind of, <laughs> I do it this way, he does it that way, she does it that way, people do it that way. You know, you have a nice kitchen management system, okay, it's kitchen management, okay, it's head cook, kitchen management, there's a, working this meal out and have a kind of discussion and people sort it out and get the meal ready. Then... 20 minutes before the meal is cooked, suddenly a whole coachload of, of Lao people turn up and they just take over the kitchen. Chaos. And that's the way it works. <laughs> so you, you hit these things, then you just got to keep loosening. And we'll get through the day. We'll get through the day. We'll be all right. And strengthening. So clinging systems, customs, structures, activations, there's a a sense of self arising around all those. Consciousness, that which manifests in consciousness, particularly mind consciousness, of course, my mind. All the thoughts that occur in my mind are definitely my thoughts. 
No, it just seemed like it. Chitta doesn't have a language. You've learned all those words. They've been placed in there. Many of the attitudes have been inbred. The speed of it has been something that's been conditioned in. The messages of thought, this is going to take you to the right place, the final place, the good place, the clear place, the place where you're winning, your place where you're succeeding, all that has been structured in. Not just thoughts themselves, but the whole emphasis on the content of mental consciousness as being a definition of what you are. The content of your mind is the definition of what you are. How good is that? And where does all that content come from? Where does it come from? Mutable, changeable, unsatisfactory. Where's the self in that? gives rise to, and what gives rise to it is the clinging to it, the being activated by it, the being agitated by it, the being, you know, the sankaring around it is what makes it mine. And if it were not mine, what would it be? Just rain on the roof, wind in the trees, just pitter patter, pitter patter, zoom zoom, whoosh. <laughs> Could it be like that? How interested would you be in it? <clears throat> this kind of you know process, although one can outline it, is still extremely challenging to because the jitta orients, has been taught to orient over lifetimes towards these aggregates uh, and the process of clinging to them. So it's not, no means is it easy to do this, but and, uh, one has to bear in mind there is an alternative and in fact there's only one alternative <laughs> and it's the only one that counts eventually for liberation. It doesn't mean there's no thought. It doesn't mean there's no sound, no sight, no touch, no action, no perception, no feeling. It doesn't mean the absence of it. It means the non-adherence to them, the non-generating a self around it. Mm. Now, to assist that, a lot of practice, primary, this is the insight practice, a lot of in practice is, is in terms of what the the way the Buddha presents it is like eighty percent of the time you're just strengthening and comforting and satisfying. Uh, it's like you're feeding jitta. So this is called the process of jitta vimutti, strengthening the jitta so it can stand free. You have to wean it, nourish it, nurse it, strengthen it so as it can stand 
on its own, standing free. And then insight arises from that as you begin to discern the bondages, the um, um, and become more recognizing the particular inflections of dispassion, relinquishment, that the jitta can then activate from its strength. What I'm saying is that letting go is not a, a decision of one's thinking mind. It's like a reflex as the jitta in itself feels, this is my strength, this is just a burden. This is not interesting. It it senses this on a very primary, emotional, psychological level, you could say, just this is just disturbance. (laughs) So dispassion, ceasing, relinquishment, these are the subtle inflections that the jitta, the jitta does, not the self. The jitta, and it does this as it finds its strength. Mm. So much of our practice is just about strengthening, comforting, steadying jitta in its transition. Mm. Strengthening occurs through jitta nestling in the body. It feels a simple, almost maternal embrace of the body. Sitting in the body, the body breathing in, the body breathing out, the body warming, the body relaxing supple, flexing, rhythmic process of embodiment. Mm. And that's both comforting, it's also the body, body energy is then able to vitalize jitta. It's almost like a, you know, like a umbilical uh, womb process, sitting in the body and then beginning to drink in both the comforting and the energy a steady, steadying body energy transfers into citta. So, you know, calming, steadying the body, the mind begins to feel comfortable, happy. How is this done? Relaxing the muscles, relaxing the tension, drawing the sense restraint, drawing attention back from outgoing to presence completing the body from the soles of the feet to the crown of the head, sensing the vitality, the life force, the energies, breathing in, breathing out. Jitta must be learned to receive that. Learn to be given, learn to be supported.
So it's a very um, simple key meditation. You can standing or sitting. And just make the uh, chitta resolution to let things be as they are. Simple enough statement. Bring it into the body so you can feel the presence of body. Make chitta like a river, which all things, ripples, fish, trash, flashes of light, currents, the river carries it all. The river doesn't change course, it stays on track, it's flowing. Keep it within its boundaries, boundaries of the body, boundaries of embodiment. Let what occurs be that which occurs. You make this uh, resolution, practicing it 20 minutes, half an hour or so, as part of what one does. And you can feel the twitch of should be doing something should be concentrating. Did I do something? What did he say again? Is this right? Stay feeling those echoes, those resonances of shifting. Mm. Stay Mm. feeling uncertain, Uh, restless, stay I am that which can bear this turbulence of current, the turbulence of the cosmos, the turbulence of Sankara when fixation is released. It gets turbulent. I am that which can bear, be present with the turbulence, not sort it out, not understand it, not help it, not change it, not define where it's coming from, just bearing that, like a river, carrying whatever arises within it. Whatever leaves it, letting it leave, remaining within the boundary. If you practice this and you, because it has certain physiological effects, recommendation I would offer is to, if any support, is just to keep inclining your attention like, like something warm running down your back slowly. Like oil running down your back slowly.
So I'll leave you to cultivate as uh, seems appropriate.